I'm Suzanne Nance, and this is The State of the Arts, an all-classical Portland series committed to giving our arts leaders and performers a platform to chronicle the times. My guest today is S. Renee Mitchell, an actress, poet, playwright, journalist, speaker, activist, writer, educator, and the list goes on. Renee, welcome to The State of the Arts. I'm so interested in this term, creative revolutionist which is how you refer to yourself in your bio online. What does that term mean to you? I came up with creative revolutionist because it starts with creativity. But it's also about how can I be a healer and a disruptor? How can I insert a different way of thinking about something? And the word revolutionist seemed to apply. And how do you see all of your artistic endeavors linked Do you find a common theme in all that you do as an artist? I think a common purpose is joy. I think a common purpose is also finding my voice. I had spent a lot of time feeling voiceless. And people would always, once they found out I could do more than one thing, people were saying, you know, you need to choose. You can't be the master of all things. You have to just narrow it down. And I never, that never resonated with me. I always felt really engaged and joyful when I was in the process of creating. Why would I want that to stop? Why would I want that to just be limited to one thing? Maybe it's a way to push back against the opportunities that kind of shut me down as a woman, uh, as an African-American, as a middle child, you know, all, all of these ways that I felt really kind of shut down and misunderstood and overlooked. And now I want to explore all of the different ways that I could share my voice with other people. And. In thinking about how you use your voice, how is technology playing a role, especially right now? Personally, I've been able to, as an artist, benefit quite a bit from using technology as a way of of communicating. I'm preparing for a summer internship for young people, and I'm thinking about how can I engage them in a way that provides some sense of community, because I have been involved in you know, Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. And and I'm thinking, what, there's something that needs to be done differently because this is exhausting. (laughs) So how do I do that? And then coming up with the ideas of always having some kind of interactive exchange and also starting the meetings and thinking about gratitude. It needs some extra thought around the human beings on the other side of that technology. That's what creativity does. It it forces us to create something new that's so much more than what was. Can you talk about finding your voice, Renee Mitchell, and how you're now helping others, especially youth, find their voice and tell their story in your program, I Am More. It actually took me a long, long time. Even when I was a columnist for the Oregonian, writing the columns was really the only place where I felt like my voice was strong and that I was allowed to be my authentic self. And so when I went to my third career as a teacher at a high school, 
I saw the voicelessness. I saw young people of color not feeling seen or heard or feeling like they belonged. And I started a Black Girl Magic Club at the high school, Roosevelt, the most diverse high school in the state. And at the end of uh, 2000. 18, actually, there's an organization called Stand for Children. And so they do this uh, scholarship competition called Beat the Odds, where students have to write about some of the most traumatic things that have happened to them and how they've leaned toward resiliency in spite of the trauma. And uh, in Portland, they gave out four scholarships, and three of them were my students. And I felt like this was a significant thing and that I didn't want it to be a one and done. Like you get the scholarship and congratulations and, and you go on your merry way. And so I worked with the youth and created this initiative called I Am More. And we weren't really sure exactly what we were going to do. We, but my intention was to use their storytelling to help empower and inspire other youth. And so we just started doing things. So this was in late November. By January, we had our first public presentation of storytelling at a big event. And so there were thousands of people that my youth were going to perform in front of. And so I had worked with them for a couple of weeks just to be able to weave their stories together because I'm also uh, an actress and a director in theater. And I used some, some of those skills to, to be able to, to tell their stories in more of a dramatic fashion. It resulted in a standing ovation and for those young people to see the power of what they had just done and to have the kind of reaction from adults who saw themselves within those stories and came up to the youth in tears and thanking them that they had started to feel heard themselves. That's part of what creativity is all about. As artists, we get out of our way and allow the story to be the bridge between people. So this is in January. By July, we were performing in Philadelphia as the featured opening for a annual trauma-informed conference. And they were also invited to lead a workshop. And that led to other opportunities where we were invited to more and more conferences. They were doing more and more in the community around storytelling from a youth perspective. That was my objective. Instead of feeling shame and guilt and resentment and anger about some of the traumatic experiences, that they can look at it and say, you know, that taught me to be brave. That taught me I could make adult decisions. That taught me I'm a survivor. I, I was outspoken before, but now I have a, I use my voice because I have a purpose. And so I, I wanted that for them, to, to do something that wasn't done for me. I mean, that's, that's our role as adults, right? We live our lives, we have this wisdom, we have to pass it on to our young people. And we're shaping them to become the adults that are gonna shape our future. Let's let them lead from a position of healing, of, of strength, rather than from their own trauma. Yeah. So let's start the healing process. And what I'm hearing when you're talking about doing this work with youth, Renee, I'm, I'm hearing the ways in which you have drawn upon your experiences as an actress and a director to protect them throughout the process of your work together. I am very 
intentional about doing this work with profound love. Having the experiences that I had has helped me understand in my soul of what needs to happen. I'm not guessing at it. <laughs> As I'm helping these youth heal, I'm healing myself. I'm going back and I'm, and I'm holding on and hugging that inner child and I'm saying, it's okay, it's gonna be okay. You're safe, you're safe, you're safe. I'd like to talk about your involvement in the African-American Requiem, a composition by Damien Jeter. It was scheduled to have its premiere May 23rd. It's been postponed to January of 2021. I'm thinking about this piece and what it would have meant to our community, to the Black community, to our nation, especially at this moment in time. I think at any point is a perfect moment to educate people through the arts. I was disappointed that, of course, as everyone was, that it got postponed. I was glad that it didn't get canceled because some big performances have. But I think now, because people's consciousness has been raised so much that they can then come to that performance and really appreciate it, not as entertainment, but as a way to really understand the humanity of Black people in this country. I feel so fortunate to be able to be asked to be a part of this. I wrote some words to the last portion of it. I'm going to be performing those words with the music, and I'm also helping create the structure around how the 400 seats that were purchased for the Black community, how to give meaning to how those seats are distributed. This is a moment to acknowledge where we are in our history and how to come in with intention. You know, what, what this pandemic has taught me is to understand that even in change, even in disruption, there are opportunities to find something better. Renee, you have inspired so many with your work and your words. I wonder if you would be so kind as to leave us with a poem as we end State of the Arts. And I know that you have recently written a poem inspired by the pandemic and by a bee. Okay, this is a, a piece called Forced in the Silence to Listen. When this threat of harm has passed, whether through death, disease, or determined intention, my goal is to be different, more purposeful, more aware. Today I am allowing seemingly immaterial moments to become a mirror, and eurosocial insects to serve as sages. Who would have guessed the clamorous buzzing of bees, which once stirred fear, frustration, fury even, could teach life lessons about whom I decide to allow into my life, whom to let go of, and who to just let be. More and more I am asking myself, what can those who are annoying, disrespectful, callous, and unkind teach me about the peculiarities within myself? Inform me of the ways I need to adjust fine-tune, and confess the names of people I should forgive. Within this forced silence, prompted by an invisible enemy, I am learning with open heart to turn inward, 
to discover wisdom, love, healing, to graciously let go of the habit to go outside of myself for self-soothing. In each moment, I can allow myself to get caught up in the insistence, irritation and distraction of someone else's way of being, or I can unattach to an outcome, decide not to uncomfortably shift, deliberately swat, or demand they be different. I am becoming better at recognizing that heated words are emotional billboards hiding in plain sight, displaying a longing to be seen, heard, to feel safe. And anger, absence, annoyance, or sometimes, most times, all times, just an expression of distress, tightly wrapping itself around the weight of anxiety or the horror of relentless ruminations. Your buzzing about is rarely ever about me. And not even a worldwide crisis will prompt some folks to show affection beyond their capacity to love themselves. People can give you something they don't possess or graciously receive something they don't believe they deserve. So I am listening better now. Yesterday, I could have easily had found blame and assigned it a home. Today, today. I choose to choose differently. I decide to see purpose in our crossed paths, a deeper reason for our relationship. Like most humans, bees cooperate in the caring for one another. Each bee's existence leverages an intentional interconnectedness, an individual contribution toward the collective good. As they collect nectar to make honey, their rapid wings beat, stir vibrations that agitate a plant's pollen, which fertilizes the next visited flower. Eventually, bees return to the hive, carrying reserves to feed the larvae. And even though most die before the fruit of their labor is realized, reciprocity is mutual survival. So consider, if you will, the next time you are confronted with an irritating animation of energy, you have a choice, you know. Each encounter with another is an opportunity for an unfolding of a new truth, an invitation to re-see reality and pose a self-reflective question which can shape one's becoming. Am I hearing or am I listening? S. Renee Mitchell, thank you for joining me today on The State of the Arts. Absolutely, it's amazing what a little bee can do. How inspiring they can be. <laughs> That's actress, poet, playwright, speaker, activist, educator, and the visionary of I Am More, a youth resiliency building movement, S. Renee Mitchell. To find out more, visit ReneeMitchellSpeaks.com. This has been the State of the Arts, an all-classical Portland series designed to share the microphone with arts leaders and performers in order to chronicle the times. To find out more, read, or listen to archived interviews, visit allclassical.org. Special thanks to producers Andrea Murray and Christina Becker. For All Classical Portland, I'm Suzanne Nance. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>